Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Yet, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though a good person might possibly dare to die. But for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, And in this way, death came to all people, because all sinned. For before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin, by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, the gift of God is not like the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if, by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as the result of of one trespass was condemnation for all people, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all people. For just as though the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was added so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that, just as sin reigned in death, 
so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you so much, Dora. That was beautifully, beautifully read. Well, uh, a good morning to you uh, again, and a very warm welcome, uh, and a happy new year to you, if I haven't uh, greeted you in that way yet. Let's just take a moment to pray and ask for the Lord to speak to us as we come to his word and see what it has to say to us. Heavenly Father, we come to you as limited beings with minds that cannot fully grasp you, and also hearts that often turn away from you. But we also come to you as your children, expectant that you, our loving Heavenly Father, long to give good gifts to us, to reveal yourself to us, and to make yourself known. Lord, this morning, open our eyes that we would see wonderful things in your word, in the scriptures, through Jesus Christ. Amen. Just over 250 years ago, uh, in the final weeks of December 1772, the Reverend John Newton was in the attic study of his vicarage in Olney, Buckinghamshire, and he was preparing a sermon for the new year uh, in the church of St. Peter and St. Paul. And Newton, you may know, was not only a preacher and a pastor, he was also a hymn writer. And on this occasion, he decided he was going to write a hymn for his congregation to sing that went together with his sermon. Amazing skill. Uh, Now, the song that he wrote, the hymn that he wrote on that occasion, uh, is the one that we now know by the title, Amazing Grace. Newton himself had led a a dangerous and and colorful life. He had been first a seaman, and then later more comfortably, he was a, a slave trader, but beginning with a, with a dramatic near sinking uh, in a storm at sea where he prayed to God to save him, he, his life began to change. And he actually eventually, as you may know, became an abolitionist, uh, pressing for the abolition of slavery, and he also became a minister. And here are the words of that song. You know them well. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost but now am found, was blind, but now I see. Now, Newton and hundreds of millions before and after him have since discovered the same thing. Something utterly life-transforming. Something that does for your spiritual senses the same kind of thing that a breathtaking view does or being in a vast and beautiful building does, or looking at someone or something that you really love. Those kind of things that make you go, wow, that's amazing. Grace does that. And grace is what I'd like to consider with you this morning. Now, grace can mean uh, many things. It can mean many things in the English language. Even within the Bible, it means many things. Uh, Sometimes it's just a, a general term, talking about God's general, undeserved favor towards us. But when I say grace here, I mean it in the specific biblical way that John Newton meant it in his song, Amazing Grace, specifically the undeserved favor of forgiveness that God has shown and achieved for those who put their faith in Jesus Christ 
through his death. Now, as I'm speaking to you this morning, I realize there's going to be people in here for whom that grace, if you know it at all, is frankly something distant or vague or, or a memory that you struggle to access now. Equally, I'm sure there are people here this morning for whom that grace is so vivid and live and so precious. Either way, I pray that what we spend some time thinking about this morning, each one of us will rediscover or discover for the first time something that changes our lives in that grace. One more word on why we're doing this. Um, we're actually going to spend four weeks thinking about grace at the beginning of this year, a whole sermon series. And it's going to be the focus not just for the beginning of the year, but actually for the whole year. If you've been really observant, you will have seen our verse for the year up on the board on the way out there. We'll share that uh, a little bit later on. And it's all about the grace of God. And the reason that we're beginning the year uh, for this is, is manifold, actually. Firstly, as a church, we never want to be far away from talking about grace Grace should be right in the crosshairs of our ambitions as a church. The early church leader, Paul, uh, said goodbye for the last time to a church plant that he has set up in, in Ephesus. And he said this to them. He said, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me. Now, what is this task? What did he think of his task? He said this, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. And we could do a lot worse than have the same ambition ourselves, individually, collectively. Hi, I'm Sarah. My great ambition is to testify to the good news of God's grace. My name is Stephen. My ambition is to testify to the amazing good news of God's grace. We're Emmanuel Church Croydon. We are known because we want to testify to the goodness, the good news of God's grace. So it's a great ambition uh, for any church at any time to be all about grace. And secondly, I want to start the year talking about grace because I think that grace is, is the grounds and the engine for the whole of the Christian life. So often we think about God's grace, receiving forgiveness. It's like, it's like the doorway um, or the entry ticket, the thing you put in your back pocket and then you sort of carry on, move on to other things. But I, I believe grace is the, it's the well the inexhaustible well that sustains everything we do as believers. And conversely, without an ongoing revelation of grace, without a sense of that being alive for us, I think any Christian quickly shrivels up. So, here we go. Grace. What is so amazing about grace? What is so amazing about grace? It seemed obvious to John Newton. What about you? Well, there's a lot more to say than I can cover in these few verses that we've heard. But let me just pick out three phrases, one big, two small, that follow on from the first one. Uh, and uh, hopefully they will help focus our minds. And the first one is this, stand in the grace of God. If you've got the Bible there, you might want to look it up in a physical Bible. It's in the pew there or turn it up on your phone or it'll be on the screen as well. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says this, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. 
this grace in which we now stand. We stand in the grace of God. The first way I'd like you to understand grace this morning is as somewhere where you can stand. You can stand in the grace of God. Now, this would have made a bit more sense to Paul's original listeners, perhaps, than it immediately does to us. They knew all about the temple. And he's talking in terms of the temple here. God dwelt in the temple, and to stand before him was a great human longing. I want to be in the presence of God. At the same time, to stand in God's presence, to encounter God in all his holiness and power. For me, as a, as a mortal, that's a great worry. What about the many times I've disobeyed him? What about the times I've ignored him? What about the times I've rejected him, even resented him? How can I stand before God? Can I stand before God at all? Uh, I was trying to think what kind of experience this is a little bit like for us. Um, Perhaps you've once been given access to someone uh, really important. Perhaps you were called in, uh, and I'm sorry if this is evoking painful memories for you, to the headship at school. And you had to walk along the, the long corridor and stand just outside and then walk into the office. Or perhaps there's been a time when the director of the company suddenly pinged a, you know, a, a, an appointment into your diary and said, come and see me in the office. Uh, or perhaps you've been called up to see some high-ranking official or even royalty. And someone said, you can come in now. And you, you walked in and you wondered, what, what's their attitude going to be towards you? How am I going to be received? What's my standing here? Now, t- take that thought, and I want you to imagine an audience with God. Okay? God we're talking about now. This is not an elevated mortal. Okay? This is, this is the one who created you, the master of all time and space, the one who one day you are going to encounter God. There's the throne room. You may come in now. What's that going to feel like? How will he receive you? Well, this is what Paul wanted to say to these early Christians. And this is absolutely amazing. It's absolutely amazing. He said, you stand in the grace of God. There is like a a bubble of safety and acceptance that surrounds you, that when you go into that throne room, you are in God's favor. Or or imagine this, perhaps it's like um, in the presence of God, that there's a special spot on the floor. And it says, uh, it's got your name on it. And it says, I, God, am for you. It's a little, come in, come in, Stu. Go and stand on the spot that says, I, God, am for you, Stu. You get to stand there. I, God, am for you, Natasha. I, God, am for you, Richard. Supply your name. I, God, am for you, Anne. Or or how do you imagine the face of God? Have you ever even thought about this? What would it be like to look right into the eyes of the Almighty? What, what, What emotion... What attitude would you see there? Disdain? Sympathy? Disapproval? Tolerance? Compassion? Well, every Christian can say this very confidently. I am going to look the Lord in the eye, straight in the eye, and I will see grace. I will see undeserved favor flowing from him 
to me because of Jesus. I will stand in the grace of God. Now, I'm going to think a little bit more in, in just a moment about what, what all this means for us today. But first, I, want to, I think it's important to ask how. Uh, the Apostle Paul was writing to Christians in Rome, and he wrote a pretty long letter. And I take it he didn't do just so to kind of entertain himself. He thought there's some really important things, there's some mechanics of how this all works, that the Christians in Rome, they need to understand, they need to grasp this. And we're going to look at just some of that. And the first one of how grace works is that we are justified, not condemned. We are justified, not condemned. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, we have been justified through faith. Now, this is not a word that we often use in this sense at all. Justified here means to be made righteous, to be put in the right with God. Or as one teacher memorably put it to me, to be justified means it's just as if I'd never sinned. Now, that is good news. And the reason it's good news to hear about that is because by nature, that's not where we stand. Paul actually says, by nature, we should be condemned. And he says that in verse, verse 18, consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. Now, what he's talking about here, this one trespass, he's talking about the Garden of Eden, what Adam did in the Garden of Eden. And he's saying, look, what happened in the Garden of Eden is basically a picture of what we're all like. So the Lord has given us this world and all the good things in it. And he's told us how to live and he's given us his law. But just like Adam, when he eats the fruit in the garden, we, we trespass that law. We, we see the boundary and we go, actually, I think it'll be fine over here. It's going, to, it's going to work out really. God doesn't really understand. Over here is definitely good. Just watch. And just as Adam's sin resulted in his condemnation, actually, God gave him a curse. He banished him from the garden. So, ultimately, our sin should result in the same. God should condemn us eternally. Now, let me say, if you're a 21st century Westerner, which is probably most of us, you're going to find that very hard to take as an idea. By the way, if, if we'd been born at any other time in the last 10,000 years, we probably wouldn't find it quite so difficult. This is a particular problem for us in our, in our day. Judgment is really hard for us to stomach. But that is the consistent picture across the, the scripture. We have a God of love and a God of judgment. And in fact, grace is the solution to the problem of judgment. To put it another way, without judgment, grace is a solution to a problem that we don't actually have. So a key part of understanding the good news here is to understand that we deserve condemnation. We, we deserve God's condemnation. Left alone, but we're not left alone. Paul goes on to say, verse 19, For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, he's talking about the obedience of Jesus Christ, the many will be made righteous. So when I put my faith in Christ, I was made righteous. And the same is true for you. Now, that doesn't mean that I immediately became all sweetness and light. You just ask anyone in my family, they'll tell you it's absolutely not the case. My status before God, though, the way that God sees me changes. I've been connected to Christ by faith. And what was previously only his now becomes mine. So God looks at me. He doesn't treat me according to my record, my disobedience. 
He treats me according to Christ's obedience. He looks at me and he says, John, you looks like you've had an absolutely wonderful, perfect life. Of course, I haven't. But he's given me Christ's status. Now, I wonder if you know that grace. I wonder if you know that grace of being justified. I'm going to guess there's some people in this room who have never, ever really thought about it like that. That's a completely new idea. And if, if that's you, come and join us on our Hope Explored uh, course to explore it further. Come and speak to me afterwards. I'd love to do that. Because it is very, very unlike what humans do, isn't it? We humans don't generally operate by grace. We, we do the opposite. We store up condemnation for people. Yeah? The people who do us wrong, we're like, no, that's one. And then we wait for the next one, don't we? We write people off. We gleefully direct phrases like, serves you right, at the bullies and the bad drivers. But God offers grace. Grace, not to the deserving, grace to the undeserving. Verses 6 and 7, they are just amazing. They're just, for those days when you wake up and you think, oh, my life is a wreck, I'm a, I'm a mess. This is just glorious. Verse 6, at just the right time when we were still powerless... Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Have you ever had that thought? Mm, perhaps, I wonder whether God really, did Christ really die for me? I mean, perhaps I'm not good enough. You know, perhaps I don't really make the grade. If you're a sinner, you fit the category. Brilliant. Anyone. Christ died for sinners. So we're justified, not condemned. Second, more briefly, peace, not enmity, or peace, not enemies. Peace, not enemies. And I'm going to read verse one again, because it's, it's got this right in it. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. I wonder if you've ever had a Precious relationship breakdown. It's been pretty painful watching in the news, hasn't it? One particular group of brothers break down. And it's painful because we all know what it's like. At one time in that relationship, there was ease. It was easy to get on. It, things just flowed. And then at some point in a relationship, an issue got in the way. Perhaps you did something wrong. Uh, perhaps there was a misunderstanding. Perhaps there was a mistake with some unintended consequences. And this relationship that was previously so easy is now under strain. And when you spend time together, I mean, you try, you try and be kind and gracious with one another. But always there's this thing. There's this grinding undertone of, of tension and conflict. But perhaps you've also had the great blessing of that moment when a, when a relationship gets reconciled. When suddenly the other person says to you, do, do you know that thing that's between us? Do you know what? It's fine. It, it really is over. And you've experienced just the relief. You, the, the obstacle's gone. It's cleared. And, and you just feel so free in that relationship. It's, it's the most wonderful thing. You have peace. You're, you're reconciled. Well, that, that is the picture that we're given here of the grace of God. It, it's being reconciled with God. 
To stand in the grace of God is to, is to be reconciled. There's nothing in the way between us. Verse 10 uh, expands this concept. It says, if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, should we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We've received God's reconciliation. Now, I don't know how you see yourself in relationship to God. Perhaps you don't really see yourself as God's enemy. I think naturally we don't necessarily. But, but that is what our sin does. Our sin, it gets in the way. It's an obstacle. It, it's, it's like the elephant in the room in our relationship with God. It puts us at odds with him. It breaks it down. He says, do this. We don't. He says, serve me. We serve ourselves. But the good news of grace is that we now have peace with God. That obstacle is gone. Okay, we've gone on some time. It's time for me to wrap up. I just want to apply this, what it means for us here today. Now, to some of us, the grace of God is, this is about a realization. You need to realize, you need to savor, you need to grasp something that you will already have. You already stand in the grace of God. If you've put your faith in Christ, you, you need to bask in that. You need to rejoice and really live into this notion that there is no obstacle between you and God. Uh, there's a lovely uh, little book by a guy called Dane Ortland called Gentle and Lowly. And it's all really about the heart of God towards us. He writes this, the Christian life from one angle is the long journey of letting our natural assumption about who God is over many decades, all the way, being slowly replaced by God's own insistence on who he is. This is hard work. It takes lots of sermons, lots of suffering to believe God's deepest heart is merciful and gracious to us, slow to anger. The fall in Genesis 3 not only set us into condemnation and exile, the fall also entrenched in our minds thoughts of God that need to be dug over many, many, many times with the gospel of grace. So perhaps that's, that's for you this morning. It, it, it's, it's time to just get a new sense of realization. Perhaps when you meet together in your small groups this week, and you know, we always have questions that are related to the, to the stuff that we're studying on a Sunday, you can talk with one another about what you're learning, what you're discovering, what new things you're discovering in the grace of God. So it may be a realization for you. Then again, for others, perhaps it, the grace of God doesn't come so much as a, a realization, as an invitation. For you, what you need to hear this morning is this grace is available to you. Will you take it? Will, will you put your trust in Christ and find that grace, receive that grace? So instead of watching Others say, oh, I have this amazing thing. And you look at it and go, oh, I don't know, is that me? You need to actually receive that. Re recognize the invitation is for you too. For you to receive the grace and love and favor of God by putting your trust in Christ. And if you'd like to speak to someone about that, if that's something that you'd like to do, you haven't yet, or you're not sure, I'd love to speak to you afterwards or catch Natasha or, or, or uh, any of the many uh, welcomers or people around here. Perhaps the grace of God is an invitation for you. 
So what have we, we seen this morning? We've seen grace. It's a place to stand. Stand in the grace of God. It's achieved through justification and through reconciliation. It's a realization for some of us, but goes on for the rest of our lives. And for, perhaps for some this morning, an invitation to that you might respond to. Let's just take a moment of quiet um, to think. Perhaps you want to trace over those words in the Bible that we've been looking at. Perhaps you want to commit some of the things that the Lord has said to you this morning to him in your heart. And then I'll lead us in brief prayer. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week.